Hi, this is Sandra Crawford Williamson here with my co-host, John Ramstead. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. We have a great guest for you today. Nikki Llewellyn is coming to us. And John, don't you think she's just going to blow everyone's socks off? Yeah, you know what? Uh, absolutely. Because, you know, one of the things that we talk about um, and our audience is always interested in is just how do we, A, you know, connect our purpose to our work? How do we create a, an extraordinary culture of our organization, whether it's a ministry, a startup company, a big organization that on Sunday night you actually look forward to going to work and something Nikki shared is 76% of the people surveyed have some kind of dread, physical or literally mental illness or something that sits in at some level on Sunday nights. And here's the cool thing. We actually talk about some super practical and actionable ways to actually address that and start making some changes. Um, and really regardless of our level of the organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've all had the Sunday blues at one time or another, and a big part of what she does on a, uh, you know, on a daily basis through a couple of different companies is helps people be in a role and be in a corporate culture where they look forward to Mondays. And so we talk a lot about that and, and some practical things you can do within your work environment and as an individual. So I think people are going to love this. Yeah, and so um, Nikki has been a, a CEO of her own company, Rainmakers, for I think over 11 years. Uh, she's currently working with a company called Amplify for the last two years that does a lot of uh, site surveys and the actual science and um, data gathering side of engagement. And then she does an amazing job of bridging the gap of how do we kind of use the, the data and, and connect that to just practical things that we can do really from the human relationship side. So I, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. We'd love to hear from you. So, uh, you know, please, if you hear, if you know of somebody that would really enjoy this or needs to hear it after you listen, please forward it to them. And we'd love to have you go get, uh, subscribe on iTunes, give us a review and, uh, and, uh, we'd love to see you on the, the Facebook page too, facebook.com forward slash eternal leadership. So here you go. Here is our interview with Nikki. All right, everybody, welcome Nikki Llewellyn to the podcast today. Nikki, how are you? Hey, really good. Pumped up to be on the show. Well, we're pumped up to have you here. You know, Sandra and I, you and I, you know, we have a huge passion for just creating not only extraordinary cultures, but also helping people tap into, you know, the work that they're doing uh, and going to what you call, Nikki, unfulfilled to engaged and happy. And, um, you know, I love what here's, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And imagine everybody out there listening is if on Sunday night you were, instead of feeling nauseous and sick with Sandra, you and I felt like many times, right? You felt excited about getting to work on Monday. We're going to talk about how do you actually create a culture in a team like that, right, Sandra? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about Sunday nights for many people across the world, you you have the Sunday night sort of depression that kicks in, like, oh, I've had the greatest weekend with my family and friends, and now I got to get up and go to a job that I don't like, that's more judger, you know, drudgery and and no passion for. And so I love what Nikki stands for, which is how can you get people excited about Monday morning? So welcome, Nikki. Hey, thanks. And it's interesting that you were opening up with that like um, dreaded. 
Sunday night experience, there's a statistic out there that I I think I might have shared with you guys that 76% of people in a 2017 survey in America said that they experienced some sort of physical or mental sickness or stress the day before their work week begins. That's three out of four people. It's insane. Oh my God. It's like well, facts that I'm, people dread Monday. Okay, so that leads to this question. What do you think the reason is that that 76% of the people are just nauseous or... Uh, I remember Sunday nights, man, I felt like I just had a gear up and I just had to grind through it to get to Friday night. I was like on the work release program. I had to work five days so I could actually have two days that I enjoyed. Mm. Oh, it's terrible. Well, I think, you know, the core of all of this goes back to one of those very popular talks out there and, you know, Ted talks or books is, um, leading with why Simon Sinek's, um, um, strategy. And I think it goes back to this, people need to feel meaning, especially today. There's just so many options out there. And if we don't feel fulfilled, we don't feel like what we're doing is making a difference. Like our purpose is aligned to the, the work we're doing. We're spending, you know, minimum 40 hours a week doing this thing. I think that's really the key. People feel like they're wasting time. They don't feel fulfilled. They don't feel heard. They don't feel safe in these environments to be able to just be themselves. They're going in and wearing a different hat other than what they were born to do. Um, I think, you know, it's a, that's a very loaded question, but it's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, um, so here, here's a question, right? Um, you talked about having that purpose aligned. What I have found working with, uh, a lot of people, right? Some when I get in touch with that purpose, and then I can actually see how that does align with what I'm doing Monday through Friday. How I feel Sunday night can can change overnight. Sometimes where I'm actually <laughs> driving my car to on Monday needs to change, um, but but I also get the clarity on that. So what what are some of those first steps you think and really personally, you know, our own self finding that that sense of purpose and engagement. Yeah. So I think it goes back to as leaders of companies, whether you went to school to become a leader, you went to you know business school and you knew I'm, I'm going to lead people or you are like many people and you organically, you know, grew into your position uh, by doing a great job. They elevated you to become a leader. But when, when you be, when you take that position, it's your job. It's our job as leaders to help these people develop and find you know, their strengths and um, what they really want to do and be able to match them into those positions in our workplace to help them come alive. So, um, I mean, I, I just firmly believe that a lot of a lot of these employees don't know that there could be a different way. They're just like, yeah, everybody I know hates Mondays. Like, it's just, that's just the way you work. I, I think that um, so much of it comes from our direct manager and goes back to that quote of, you know, people join organizations, like they, they join because of the brand and the, um, you you know, the angle in which the company represents itself and people leave managers. And I believe that that managers are there to pour in and develop people so that they can find their strengths and then be able to put them on the right seat of the bus where they feel like they're coming alive in the work that they're doing and continue to develop personal relationships with them um, rather than, hey, yeah, I talk to my manager like once a month or, you know, my, my manager texts me and gives me, you know, updates on how, how we're doing on performance, like really having a, a deep relationship with this person that's helping to bring you alive in your workplace. I think that's that's so important. Yeah, I mean, so much of it is you're the right person maybe not being in the right role. 
you know, mm-hmm. you can have positive success strategies and, you know, love the company that you're working with and love the brand. But if you're finding yourself miserable on a Sunday evening, maybe you're in the wrong role. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's that expression, find a job you love and you won't have to work a day in your life. It's a, you know, it's a silly little cliche. Uh, and maybe that's not available to everyone. But your job shouldn't cause you stress and anxiety, right? Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's it's becoming a lot more comfortable with who you are and what your strengths are and what your opportunities are and making sure that you're in the right job and being proactive about that, not waiting for someone else to come along and say, hey, Susie Q, I think you're actually a better account manager than you are a salesperson. You know, take ownership of it. Go take some assessments. Talk to your manager. You know, go to some outside training. Um, figure it out, you know. And, and the other thing I, I learned along the way is don't be afraid to move on. Mm-hmm. So many people hang on to their job and they like squeeze the life out of themselves and out of their, you know, their future with the company because they're they're just hanging on and, and they should just move on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't don't be afraid to move on. Sandra, I think you said something really important about assessments. Um, I remember the first time that I ever you know, took an assessment. The first one that I ever took was a Myers-Briggs. And um, the second one was a DISC assessment. And this was you know, years ago, but it was one of the very first things that helped me understand myself and be able to figure out like what makes me tick and the activities that I really do enjoy and just put some fact with that so that I could I could know oh I'm not just being lazy because I don't like details details just aren't in my DNA Um, and really being able to pour into the things that are my strengths and going back to I think that's the job of of leaders is to be able to bring those tools to the table and help you know, someone did it for me. You know, it was my very first uh, boss that I had in a practicum experience with my master's degree that introduced me to these tools. And it helped me to get on a completely different career path. Um, you know, being able to see what came back in those assessments and understanding really what, you know, where my strengths were and being able to align those. So whether, you know, like I said, DISC or Myers-Briggs or Predictive Index or CVI or Strengths Finder, there's so many people out there that can administer things like that and really help you, you know, do some introspective work to understand yourself, first of all. Yeah, I tell people you can go take the Strength Finders 2.0 uh, assessment online for $20 and it'll be the best $20 you probably spend in your life because it can take you down a completely different path of self-awareness and and aligning your work life with what brings you joy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and here's a thought too, I would be willing to bet if we surveyed those 24% of people, Nikki, that, that in, you know, Sunday night, they're looking forward to Monday, that they have healthy, trusting relationships at work. Uh, There's people they enjoy being with and communicating with and, I think you know one of the biggest responsibilities we have as leaders is developing, teaching, training, equipping, and launching people into their strengths, into their skills, giving them feedback, working with them on goals, getting to know them. Um, I was doing an offsite for a team, and this team was really struggling. They've been, I think, the most junior person on this team had been in this organization for ten years, and somebody made a comment uh, about her weekend. And that she has five kids and she had all these activities going on. And somebody else on the team said, wow, I had no idea you had five kids. Do you think that, is there any clues just in that comment right there on probably why that team is struggling? 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think relationships are so huge. You think of, you know, leaders that you've had in your life or the most fun you've ever had at work and whether it was the leader that you'd walk through fire for, or just the excitement of the momentum you have with your team, you intimately know those people and you trust them. Like they know you, you know them, they know your kids on a first name basis. They, I mean, I think that that is so important. Actually, you know, for, for my organization, Amplify, we have confirmed that, that there's three non-negotiable needs of people. Um, one is safety, the ability for someone to um, come to work and be able to feel like they can express themselves freely and speak up and not feel like they're, you know, do I say something? Do I not? Like they have that foundational trust built to feel safe in just being themselves at work. Um, number two is meaning that they have aligned um, their purpose with the overall company and understanding how those two come together so that they feel like I, when I do the work that I'm doing, I feel like I'm moving the business forward, but my own personal, like, um, mission forward. And then third is, um, going back to your, your, uh, comment, John on development is capacity. Is this company pouring into me the tools, the resources, the training, the coaching that I need to be able to be my very best. I feel like today people and probably forever they have, but today that we're just more vocal about it. We crave development. We are in um, these positions because we want to be our very best self. And so we found through research that safety, meaning, and capacity are these three non-negotiables. It doesn't matter if you're a high-level executive or, you know, an entry-level field worker. Um, this is it's just what everyone needs to be able to come to work and c- come alive in their work. So, so it sounds like what we're talking about, Nikki, is really helping leaders out there right now uh, actually make kind of a mindset shift to really kind of focus on developing their people. We had Chuck Blakeman on, and I love what he said, is that when you're leading, you're developing your people. When you're actually making a decision or being directive or telling somebody how to do a job, you're managing. And to the extent that you can, you want to try to be leading, which is developing your people 100% of the time. That's the goal that you want to strive for. So, you know, as you work with, with, you know, leaders in these areas, let's start with safety. How do you, how do you start developing a, a, you know, a culture, a team environment where people can, you know, succeed, fail, make mistakes, express themselves and do it in a safe place? Yeah, that's great. I think it all starts with the leader um, represents that. So they themselves are vulnerable and transparent and sheer and just uh, very open. And they talk about how failure is something that all of us learn from. And um, we want to be able to never hide behind those things, but be able to bring those forward to the team to propel everybody forward. Let's learn from everyone's failure. And so I think the first step is that the leader themselves is a transparent, vulnerable leader. And, and they, they show how that works. One, number two, I think, um, having dedicated time for one-on-ones with people. Um, and this is not like once a quarter for a performance review, uh, on like a system, but just one-on-one human to human, like, let's talk about personal stuff. Let's talk about business stuff and just be 
transparent and building a relationship. I think that's huge. And then, then three is when you're in a team, you should be bringing your team together regularly. Um, I would say usually for a one-on-one cadence, I would say that shouldn't go at least twice a month. So every other week we should be spending one-on-one time. And I know a lot of times in the world today, we're working virtual, we're working from home, we're working, you know, in um, locations that aren't connected to our manager. There's so many tools out there now that you can easily jump on um, for a screen share and be able to do those things virtually. But having one-on-one dedicated time, I think is, is super important. And then three, um, whether you're in the same location and you can get together live or um, virtual, getting your team together and um, having transparent conversations and sharing, I think part of the agenda is what did we learn from this week? Like, how did we fail? And how did, what did that teach us? I think is, is really huge. And just creating this very safe environment um, that I that I believe strongly comes from a vulnerable leader that is willing to share, you know, their learnings and, and be able to put that stuff out there regularly. Yeah, John and I talk about that. We talk about, you know, un- uncomfortable transparency, you know, that unless you're putting yourself out there for people, then they're not going to be uh, reciprocating, right? So, you know, in, in one of the most fun job environments in which I worked, I had weekly one-on-ones with my direct reports and I had a monthly, uh, I'm sorry, a weekly luncheon. So I was meeting one-on-one with them every week. And sometimes it was 15, 20 minutes, but it was just a, you know, touch base. And then weekly I would have lunch brought in and, you know, sometimes it was just pizza, but we would all just sit around the table and just talk and get to know one another. And um, that sense of camaraderie really made a difference in the entire group. You know, we had about mm, 300 people reporting up through those direct reports. And so it made all the difference in the world because then, you know, if someone's having a bad day, you know about it. And if someone's having trouble outside of work, you know about it and you can just respond so much better. So I totally agree. My goal is always to be vulnerable first. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, we get so caught up in this crazy Mach 5 hyper caffeinated, you know, fast paced world that we live in. And you guys just dropped some huge value bombs. I hope people go back and re listen to that part, especially, you know, uh, what you both just shared. Because one of the things I've always done, and when you share this with people, like, I don't know if I have time to do that. But Nikki, you said at a minimum, meet with your, you know, your direct reports every two weeks. And I think that is huge to develop that relationship. What I always did is I always, I, I think people can work on two or three goals at a time. This was modeled to me when I first got into business. I had to meet with my manager every two weeks. I was in charge of creating the agenda. We had co-created two or three goals. And they were kind of in the areas of personal development, um, how I wanted to influence and run a team, and also how that lined up with the organization. And But we he made the time for an hour every two weeks. I knew that basically I was going to get coaching, and it was a completely safe place. Um, I was going to get mentored during that period of time. And that was one of my favorite places that I've ever worked. So that is how I've worked with my teams ever since then, because I just thought it was so powerful. Mm, I love that. I think about really the dynamics of a one-on-one having three spokes. One is personal relationship development time, 
just this is where you get to know, you know, kids names and, you know, things you're working on uh, with your family or at your house or just, you know, what's going on in your life, both back and forth. This isn't just like a manager to um, team member. This is back and forth. So personal relationship development, number one. Number two, both of you sharing what you're working on as far as your why, like big picture stuff. Um your, your, you know, why is it that you're here? What are you working on? Like big picture goals, things that scare you. Um, I think that that is really important and just really coaching each other. I think having that back and forth, not again, not just the team member getting this from their direct manager, but back and forth. Like I know that, um, just somebody I was working with in a dynamic, the leader, um, he's a CEO of a company and he has seven direct reports and he's, he and his wife are working on building a, a, a water, um, in another country, they're they're building a well. The build they're so they they have X number of dollars that they're saving um, in order to be able to commit to buying this well in this other country. This mission based work, and so that's his. And every meeting they come together on um, the the important his uh, direct his executive team that reports to him knows exactly how much money you know if it's every other week or whenever they're meeting is they have in their bank right now towards this well and where they're at. So just, you know, really talking about each other's whys, I think is so important. And then three, what most people focus on is the KPIs or performance. Of course, we need to talk about like, where are we at in relation to our quarterly goals or our monthly goals? So personal relationship development, going back to our why and just really helping each other get to that big picture of what we're trying to do here on earth. And um, three KPIs or performance stuff is typically how I break that down. Well, you, you had talked about safety, meaning, and capacity, right? People are craving that development, and it sounds like that just making that change right there of being intentional about meeting with your people on a regular basis at every two weeks at a minimum is really the key to all of that, isn't it? I, I think so. I mean, regular communication is, is, it sounds so simple, and everyone seems to you know have it on their list, but we all struggle with it. So I think that regular cadence that you don't let go by, it's on the calendar. We keep to the schedule, regular communication to develop that relationship and keep projects moving forward. Now, what do you guys think of this? If you're not getting that, if that's not how your boss is operating with you, you might be a supervisor, manager, CEO, or sitting in a cube somewhere, it doesn't matter, but you're not getting that. What's a way to maybe approach your leadership to kind of influence up and and start to actually change the dynamics of the culture from the seat that you're sitting in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I, I think a lot of times we sit and wait and thinking our boss has all the answers. And a lot of times the bosses are sitting waiting for their employees to take initiative. So, you know, I'm I'm always, hey, move first, right? Be the, take the first move. And, um, you know, often I've gone to bosses with ideas and said, you know, Hey, here's some things I did in a previous job and it was great. People loved it. Um, or, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Um, you know, not making them self-conscious, but, but at the same time offering ideas and solutions because, uh, you know, often they're sitting feeling the same way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Nikki? I would agree with that. I think that we have to take that initiative into our own hands. There's a number of leaders out there that they just because they're a leader doesn't mean that they know what they should be doing. Um, and so there's there's leaders out there that are very moldable and we can go to them and say, 
hey, I really want to develop my ability to be a better speaker, which is going to help us get in front of people in the community. Um, you know, are, do we have some resources to pour some coaching into me? Or is there someone here? Can we invest in someone outside, um, for example? You know, or I'd love to, you know, uh, create more of a, um, an increased cadence on how we're meeting. I just don't feel like we know each other like we do or, or like we should. And so to increase that, that cadence to drive more communication in our relationship, those kinds of suggestions. But um, I'll be honest, what I see a lot of times is that leaders just, they, they aren't receptive to those things. And that's when we have to make a decision if that's something that we, we know we really need and our leadership isn't willing to give it to us. It's, I mean, we might be wasting time in the position we're in and we've approached it. We've, we've hit it on the head, but it's not there. Is it time to make a move? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Right. And you know, that, that kind of gets next to uh, what you talked about earlier on Nikki is about is, you know, is our purpose aligned? Um, and how do you, how, maybe you could share maybe your own journey uh, about how you really kind of connected with your purpose and what you're doing now and how you help other people do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I think I was 24 when I invested in a coach. I, you know, it was what, two years after taking that very first assessment, uh, with the practicum experience I had in my master's degree. And I just, I realized that, um, really to, for me to be able to, I, I, my very first position, um, in that practicum, I was working for an entrepreneur. I had never in my life worked for an entrepreneur, my whole family. They were, many of them were executives and companies worked in corporate America. I had just never really been around an entrepreneur and she really inspired me. And she was the person that said, Hey, I think we should find out more about you. And, um, really my assessment came back and said that I was very entrepreneurial, that I, um, was really gifted in sales and, and, um, you know, promoting ideas and, and getting inspiration, you know, throughout organizations. I'm like, what, what is all of this? And, um, I, in 24, I took out my checkbook and I wrote my own personal, um, check to a coach locally. I got introduced to, and I think, um, that was really a game changer for me to be able to get on my journey of, you know, a lot of training and soul searching to be able to find really what makes me, my, me tick. And, um, for me, I love to win. I love to, to be able to work with a team and to put goals together and, um, a strategic plan and be able to watch every step and celebrate the wins along the way. And so, you know, I put myself in that environment since I was 24 years old because I, you know, maybe 25, 26, um, after getting that coaching, um, but I think, you know, just having having coaching in our lives is so important. It's so critical. And as leaders, we have to learn those skills to be able to be that coach for our people. Yeah. What, what did the you think the coach do for you, Nikki, that or maybe accelerate some of your awareness that you weren't able to do yourself? You know, the foundational line that I got from him was um Feedback is the breakfast of champions, and we have to regularly be willing to record ourselves and listen to ourselves or, um, you know, videotape ourselves and watch ourselves giving a talk or give an index card to somebody who's around us and say, hey, if you can give me three points of things that I can do better, um, you know, and he was that for me. And then just ongoing in my life, I've always been very just open for people to give me feedback. And I feel like that is that's a thing that is not, it's not real popular, you know, critical conversations or hard conversations aren't, I guess, easy for a lot of people. And if we can create an environment where 
this is just, it, we're all about growing and learning. We're in, um, we, we have adopted a growth mindset here. I feel like that's what he did for me very early on. And so just this, you know, constant, how do I get better? What did I do this week? How can let's wrap up the team, the, the week with our team and reflect on, you know, the wins and the areas for improvement and just constantly working to get better with very transparent conversations. Well, I think, I think, go ahead, Sandra. No, I was going to say that you're so right. Uh, you know, people don't want to have the tough conversations and they avoid it. And then it just spirals and gets worse and worse and worse. You know, I tell my, my team and my kids, you know, the second you feel like there's something brewing that needs to be addressed, just do it. Just bite the bullet and do it. Because time truly just festers the wound or the situation. And, you know, I've, I've done it so many times in my life. Like, oh, gosh, I don't want to deal with that. And then a week goes by and a week goes by and things are just getting worse. And so, you know, be the first person to bring it up. And you know what? If it ends badly, that's okay. It'll end badly, but then at least you'll know. I often find that limbo is worse uh, and we have great imagination. So we always imagine all these terrible things that could happen where just going in and handling your boss or your coworker or your client, whatever it might be, and get it over with. Like, mm-hmm. let's just move it on. Because a lot of those Sunday night blues come from either a pending conflict or something that's hanging out there or, oh, gosh, I have to go see this client tomorrow and, oh, I don't want to do it. So, you know, just just be upfront about it. Just over communicate. That's, uh, you know, that's it's not a bad habit to have. Mm-hmm. I used to have a leader um, that worked along alongside of one of our teams. And he said, it's just like ripping off a bandaid. You know, it's just one of those things It's going to be a quick sting, but you're going to feel so much better afterwards. It's like a sigh of relief, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I think definitely Sandra, to your point, just hit it on the head and get it out of the way and stop wasting time in, in negative energy or in something that's not helping you to be your best self. Absolutely. And, you know, here's a question I throw out to every client and every team that I work with. And here it is, 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 and people listening answer this as you're, as you're working out or driving along. Do you think all personal feedback is relevant and usually when I ask a room, it's probably about 60, 70% of the people do not think that um, all personal feedback is relevant. And my answer is that it is because there's two kinds of feedback. There's feedback I agree with. I might not like it. You might tell me, hey, the way that you're showing up is, you know, you're very abrasive. You're very short. You're not developing good relationships. Well, yes, I can see that. But there's the other feedback because of our core beliefs, our values, our identity that we don't agree with. So we reject it. But let's say Sandra gives me some feedback that I don't agree with and I reject it. Well, guess what? It is true to her. It's true to how she's experiencing it. So I need to take that into consideration if I want to improve because it's how I'm showing up in the world and how it's coming across to other people, even if I don't like it. And so sometimes um, a big roadblock to our, you know, our ability to connect with others and become our best selves is being open to considering, um, you know, the relationship we have with others. So if we really think that relationship with the others around us is truly important, and that's going to help us to accomplish what we're excited about, what gives us meaning, what gives us purpose, we have to shift how we are 
receiving feedback. And, and Nikki, as you've worked with you know a lot of people and you're talking about feedback, those people that are really on a scale of one to 10, they're below a five on receiving feedback. How do you help them kind of move up that scale a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. I do have that perception is reality conversation a lot, which I think that's the direction that you were going, John, whether or not it matters to them. Um, well, I don't, I don't really care if, you know, these people think this or that's not what I'm working on. I'm, you know, I'm working on these goals over here. It's, it is, um, it's something to be addressed and just to be considered because it's somebody's perception about how you're showing up. So I do think, um, you know, that educational moment is something that I would bring up to them. Um, the other is for people that, um, tend to under that, the five and under, they're probably very defensive. So we have to work on, um, how do we be open and really see feedback as a positive thing and a growth thing versus a negative and here's what you're doing wrong. So I, I guess to boil that down, it's an educational time that's probably a few sessions long to be able to help them understand that this is not a bad thing, but a good thing and just shifting their paradigm on understanding feedback. Yeah, and how about you, Sandra? How, how, how have you developed your team in, in getting better at giving and receiving feedback? Yeah, I mean, uh, as Nikki said, it's a constant battle, right? And even I, I often relate employees and, and boss relationships to to relationships we have with our children um, because, you know, out of three ch- three kiddos, I have one in particular that immediately goes to defensive. And so that is human nature and probably about a third of, of people are going to be that way. No one wants to hold up a mirror and, and see things about ourselves. And certainly we don't want to hear from, from somebody else, especially if it's someone else that we haven't developed a trusting relationship with. So I often, you know, don't phrase it as giving or receiving feedback, but, um, Hey, are, are we in a, a trust zone here? Um, and, and, you know, just positioning it privately, I always say, you know, give negative feedback privately and praise publicly, always, always, whether that's up, down, or sideways in an organization. Um, And so, you know, setting up a one-on-one with someone, having it totally private. Um, I do little things, like I don't sit behind a desk. I'll, I'll, be at a table. So we're more uh, peers related, whether again, it's up, down or sideways in an organization, you want to be perceived as as being less formal. Um, And just, you know, sometimes positioning the feedback and, hey, I I don't know if um, this is the right time, but I've seen this and picked this up. And I really want you to know and hear it from me. Um, and just be really genuine with it, you know, that you want to do this to help them grow and be better so they don't have to hear it from someone else at a later date. Uh, and I've almost always had positive experiences when I've done it that way. Now, I've done it the wrong way with, with, um, with work experiences and, and uh, with children, and I can tell you the bad side of it. But, you know, if your heart's in the right place and you can lead with your heart and with your transparency, I always often lead with an example about myself. You know, when I say, hey, I had this situation when 
Fred came to me and told me X, Y, Z, and I really didn't want to hear it, but it made all the difference in my career. And so I really have tried to do that for people that I enjoy and that I appreciate. And so I wanted to come to you and tell you this, um, but you have to mean it also, you know, if it's someone you don't like or someone you're just trying to get back at, you probably need to check your heart anyway. Mm-hmm. And Sandra, I think that's where building a strong foundation of a relationship with our people is just so important. There's, I, I can't tell you, uh, employee after employee that I get feedback from that says, I, don't, I really don't even know my manager. Well, it's really mm. hard to give feedback when you don't have a relationship. Like you have to feel like you've got a bond there to be able to be open to receive. I think that's anybody, no matter what level you normally are with feedback, you need to have an established relationship. So um, just key for, I, I would say we hear a lot of times there's just not a bond between that manager and the team member. No, that's true. If I have a low level of trust, right, um, it might be very easy for me, uh, even if I respect you professionally, to see the the feedback as, you know, judgmental or critical or condescending, you know. So, you know, what we, uh, my good friend Ford Taylor has shared with me, uh, and this is... Uh, you know, if, if you approach giving feedback with humility, you know, first of all, you know, Nikki, let's say you and I are working together and you're doing something that's really bothering me. It could totally just be me. It could be my lens, my filter, and I could be totally wrong here. So approaching that and saying, Nikki, could I share something with you? But it could just, this could be totally me and I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you've done something that's kind of, let's say, wounded or I've, well, I, I think we need to take responsibility as leaders for our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. So let's say I feel wounded, but I've allowed myself to be, let's say, wounded or offended. Um, I need to approach that conversation before giving you feedback and already forgiven what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the third point is we need to go in love. We really do. And we need to care more about that other person than we care about ourselves. And really what I'm saying is I care more about you and our relationship than maybe how you feel about me because maybe there's something, and I've gotten feedback like this from very close friends in the past, business partners, that wasn't comfortable for me to hear, but man, did I need to hear it. And I'm so glad that they cared more about me and in, in in our relationship than maybe how I felt in the moment. And I think the fourth point here is, you know, we really need to focus on 100% of the truth and the facts because because of our our experiences our filters the stuff in our head we tend to tell ourselves a narrative based on a set of facts that might be uh very different than the narrative that the, uh, the other person has told themselves so if we can focus on the facts when we're giving feedback and what i have found when you approach people from that perspective 95% of the time there there's not only resolution of conflict but it is very positive and empowering and productive for the other person. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So talking about building a culture that people on Sunday night, those other, those 76% of those poor people listening right now, Nikki, right? We've talked about some just phenomenal things that are so actionable for folks. Um, what else is coming to mind for you that would just be really helpful for those leaders out there, um, you know, to start, changing things so people are are driving to work on monday morning and they're and they're looking forward to it yeah i think you know in today's world we're so focused on engagement because the average tenure of a, a american worker is right around four years the average 
millennial generation and younger is shy of two years. So we have just such a short window to be able to engage people and not be that statistic or that norm. And um, I think what a lot of companies are doing right now is figuring out how to measure how their people are doing. Um, so we can give all the tips and, and strategies to leaders, but um, there's many leaders in an organization and not everybody adopts all of these best practices. And we really need to know the pockets in an organization that aren't getting the love and care that other ones you know, might be adopting. And so having some form of a confidential platform that measures to give the, you know, the key, the executive team um, uh, an understanding of what's really going on at a snapshot and being able to hone in on the areas, like let's say that there's 26 managers in a organization, let's know the four that really need to have some tough conversations or just be poured into with training and development to be better leaders because those four are affecting nearly a hundred people in our company that are, that are struggling. And so I think that's really key. We, we bring measurement to every area of our business. You know, our financials run off of reporting. We, you know, our marketing department runs off of reporting and um, being able to understand what is working to drive leads and what's not and, you know, turn things off that don't work. But a lot of times with people, we just rely on our gut and our last water cooler conversation. And we might not really be getting the whole truth of what's going on to your point about bringing some facts to the table. So I think, you know, that's where the world has shifted is we are not relying so much on our gut. We're putting some science behind our culture and being able to have some different tools. There's so many out there that you can leverage to really truly get an understanding of what's going on inside the organization and then be able to hone in on the one or two or three things that can most move the needle because the data says so rather than just guessing, well, I heard this training was great or I read this article recently in Inc. Magazine. I think we should do that. Um, really, you know, leading your organization through data and science rather than just all gut. So um, I'm guessing you might have a great way to actually find some of that data and science that we can pair with some of those, some of those gut feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, I host a podcast where we talk about this all the time and, you know, kind of the mix of uh, leaders that, um, of course, we have to rely on our gut and our experiences that bring so much to the table. Our, we just, we've been talking on the show about being transparent about failure and that's how we learn. That's so much by our you know, experiences, our gut, our intuition, all from that stuff. And um, how do we mix that with tools that help us have standards and numbers and data and KPI um, to be able to mix with that stuff? So Gut Plus Science is a, a great podcast to learn from leaders how they're doing that. Um, and then uh, Amplify is a great tool among many tools out there to be able to explore on, you know, how could I you know, figure out some kind of a confidential way to gain data pretty simply and be able to start to do some things differently other than just relying on guesswork and gut. Yeah, you know, in just personal experience, um, you know, people that haven't done some of the, you know, engagement surveys and in the way that you guys do it at um, Amplify, right, with, uh, you know, some of the simplified surveys, they're mobile friendly, that feedback that is anonymous from your team is a way to get instant feedback especially, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have today is just managing through change and the pace of change has accelerated dramatically and in, in being able to kind of keep a pulse on how our people are doing, how they're, 
how they feel about what you know their work, uh, their relationship with their boss. When that is invaluable information for us to really create an extraordinary uh, organization. And if we don't do that, other organizations that can do that and be able to navigate through this accelerated pace of change, they're going to leave us in the dust regardless of the quality of maybe our our good product or service. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, you know, go ahead, Sandra. No, I was just going to talk about some practical things we can we can do to get rid of the Monday dreads. I don't know uh, if you guys want to want to tackle a few of those, but some things I always recommend is the last thing you do on Friday is totally prepare your schedule for the next week. You know, m- many of us run out of the office on Friday like the chair is spinning, right? And so we don't quite finish things up. Think our inbox is still full. We have we haven't even looked at the next week. So I got very intentional um, in the last say five years uh, of starting the week on Friday. So on Friday I review the entire week ahead. I you know it's it's literally like I think two thirty to three thirty usually on my schedule. And, um, you know, I just, I am very structured about, okay, here's what I need to do. Um, the other thing I do is on Sunday night, I have a very specific routine where, you know, it's silly little things, but know what I'm going to wear and know what I'm going to do for lunch and pack school lunches early and try to exercise. And, you know, because if we can get into that Sunday night routine and then the Monday morning routine, um, that makes all the difference. Instead of running in, out of control, feeling stressed, running behind, um, you know, that, that makes a really, really big difference. And just, you know, it's all about intentionality. But if we can plan our clothes, our food, our transportation, what route we're going to take, that way there's there's no surprises. The other thing I always do, and I do this even with my children now, is I make Monday a treat day. So often we're looking forward to the weekend because Friday we've got big plans and we're going to go here, we're going to go there, we're going to have fun, we're going to do this. Well, what if Monday was treat day? And on Monday we're going to go to that special lunch or we're going to get our nails done or we're going to get to go to Brahms for a double scoop ice cream, you know, at eight o'clock, whatever it is, find a way to treat yourself on Mondays. And so if you can just have that mental positive connection with the day, it literally will start rewiring your brain because I think so many of us have the Sunday night dreads because our brain is just wired that way after, you know, year after year after year where if we can start adding Monday as sort of the third day of the weekend in a way, um, you know, that it's it's a little more a little more exciting, a little more doable. So starting right now, everybody, Monday is treat day. So today's Monday. Think about how you can treat yourself. I think that's great. And Sandra, I, I think, you know, 76% of people that have some sort of stress or sickness, so much of that ties back to being just overwhelmed. You know, mm-hmm. and so so much of your um, your your tips are um, perfect for that because you're getting a head start on not being overwhelmed on Friday. So you know you're you're cutting down half of your Sunday planning because you've spent you've already put a, a schedule block time on Fridays. It's like a reoccurring time to get 
uh, over that hump of not being completely overwhelmed, you know, just going into your Sunday planning. I think that that is huge. And then I love that reframing, reframe your mind to, you know, Sunday is, uh, or I'm sorry, Monday is, you know, the new Friday or whatever that day is that you typically get excited about, like create these, um, you know, instruments or these, these opportunities that help us to get excited. I think that that's great. Love it. So some fantastic ideas for everybody, some great takeaways. So, you know, Nikki, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find you, learn more about what you're working on right now? Your podcast, Gut Plus Science is one way. What else? Yeah, I think LinkedIn. You know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Um, so you can look me up, Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, and then L-E-W-A-L-L-E-N. Shoot me a message and let's connect. Perfect. And just, Nikki, as we just wrap up, any any final thoughts for everybody listening in? You know, just we had talked about how communication is so key and it's one of those things it seems like everybody's working on, but no one does really well. The other thing that I feel like is on the list a lot, but we don't put a ton of attention on it is, is as leaders working on our le- listening skills. And so if we identify through, you know, a conversation one-on-one that, you, you know, we can feel some pain with this person about this, whatever it is, go deeper, spend some time on it. Like that is a great way to be able to build a relationship. Um, on the flip side, if you're using some sort of a tool and you see, um, you know, that you've got gaps in you know, this department or this manager team, spend some concentrated time just to go listen rather than assume, you know, this is what this data is saying. And then you're just going to dive in and figure out how to fix it. Just taking time to listen and, you know, do one-on-one sessions, some focus groups, and really just, you know, figure out what you can learn by not just interjecting what you think you should do. Yeah. Great way to wrap up communication and listening. And, and I would just, uh, so, you know, part of listening is getting really good at asking open-ended questions versus trying to form your response as, as, you, as you're listening, right? That's kind of very surface-level listening. You want to you listen to what I call the reason behind the reason. You know, why is somebody say, actually saying what they're saying? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nikki. That was absolutely fantastic. And I hope everybody plugs in and we'll have all the... Uh, links to uh, everything uh, in Nikki's world in, in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks, Sandra. 